Well, good afternoon. Or should I say, all right, all right, all right. Yeah, I like that, huh? <laughs> How about y'all say it and watch the game last night? Oh, yeah. Well, so here's what we have to say to you. Go ahead, Brennan. What? Yeah, I know we have to have it at least once during the season. I love it. I told my wife, I said, normally on the weekends, whenever there's a, you know, we go to bed about 9, 30, 10 o'clock last night, game was over, we're all, you know, excited and all that kind of stuff, so I told her, I said, if I fall asleep while I'm preaching, just throw something at me or, you know, wake me up, but it's good to be here with you guys today, and we're actually jumping into a brand new series today called God Never Said That, that I'm so excited about, and we're going to dive off into that here in just a moment but uh, before we do, I also want to take a moment to welcome, if you are a first-time guest, uh, my name is Jay, my wife Stacy and I are the lead pastors here, and it is so good to have you with us today. We hope and pray that you feel right at home, and then I also want to tell everybody, remind you, you've heard us talk about uh, the new campus in Watson that we're launching in spring of 2020, and uh, this evening is the interest meeting. If you're interested in finding out about more about that campus, being a part of the launch team, hearing the vision, all that kind of stuff. Uh, the, so this evening, we're going to be there at that campus. And at 5 o'clock, it's going to look like this. We're going to do a little bit of worship. We're going to talk about the vision a little bit, make an announcement or two, and, and have a great time there. Let you guys check out the building. And so uh, here's the thing that I've been telling everybody in the last two services is that if you did sign up to be a part of that, you should have got all information. But if you have not signed up, you can come this evening at 5 o'clock. We're just letting everybody know, since it is an active construction site, we're asking for no kiddos. So uh, if you could get a babysitter, bring them by here for child care at 5. They've got the life group child care. Uh, we actually will uh, be over there at 5 o'clock having a great time talking about all the things that the Lord is doing. On your seat today as well, uh, you would have gotten one of these. You've seen these a whole lot. And uh, take this home with you. It's got information in it about the new campus and how you can participate. And we're asking everybody to be praying for this as construction is moving forward. And so today, here's what we're going to do. We're jumping off in this new series and I've been so fired up about this series for the last couple of months. And one of the reasons why is, have you ever had somebody tell you something sounded really good, it just wasn't true? Uh, it's kind of like this. When I was a kid growing up, uh, you, or you probably heard the same thing whenever maybe a parent or somebody told you before you got disciplined, this is going to hurt me more than it hurts you. And uh, as a kid, you discover really quickly, well, that sounds good, but that's really not, you know, true, because that really hurts a whole lot, okay? And so I've also noticed that a lot of times the things like that get brought over into Christianity. There's a lot of things that we attribute to God, a lot of things that we attribute to the Bible that actually are not even in the Bible, you might say, well, Pastor, well, what do you mean by that? Well, what I did was I actually looked at the top four scriptures that people believe are in the Bible that actually are not in the Bible. And some of these I've heard my entire life, and some of them 
actually go towards the culture that we are living in uh, here in the West. A lot of it is based around the mindset of what we have with the Bible. And so the first scripture that a lot of people believe is in the Bible. You heard it uh, growing up, and it's one of my favorite ones. I heard this quite a bit. It's found in the book of Mr. Clean, chapter 29, verse 11. And it is the verse, cleanliness is next to godliness. Now, how many of you in here have heard that verse before? Okay, all right. Maybe your mom or your grandma used it against you. And actually, I think that that verse was created by a mom who wanted her little boy to clean behind his ears or wash his hands. And in reality, uh, when you hear that and say, well, you know, that not that in the Bible? It gives the mindset towards that, you know, God is clean, so he likes things that are clean and kind of gives the idea that maybe God doesn't like dirty people, okay? But the reality is God loves clean people. God also loves dirty people, okay? Look at your neighbor say, all is well. Here's the next one. I like this one. And this one is a very popular verse in the culture that we live here in America. It's found in the book of 1 Americans chapter 17, verse 76. And it is, God helps those who help themselves. You probably have heard this before. And it's a good concept. It's the mindset of don't be lazy, get out, do something for yourself. But actually, this is not in the Bible. And, uh, you know, the, the crazy part about this, this actually goes contrary to Scripture. And the reason why is because uh, what we find in Scripture is that when we are at our weakest place, that's whenever God's strength comes through the greatest within our lives. Now, the next verse is one that uh, I've actually said this. A lot of people said this. I knew this was not in the Bible, but I've heard people say, well, you know what the Bible says, and then they'll say this. It's found in the book of uh, Wisdomicus, uh, chapter 4, verse 19, and it is the scripture, this too shall pass. Now, how many of you in here have said that before? Come on, somebody. Be honest. You in church, Okay. I've heard people say, well, you know, the Bible says that this too shall pass. That's actually not in the Bible. Uh, the reality is that sometimes things don't pass. I've actually counseled with people before who have lost a loved one, whether it be a parent or a spouse or a child. And this is the, one of the things that I help them understand is that this will be with you for the rest of your life. Now, it won't be as overwhelming now in the months and the weeks and the years ahead but uh, it's actually not something that's going to pass. Your heart is going to hurt whenever you think of that one that you have lost. And, and there are different things in life that we say that this is going to pass. And, and sometimes it takes a long time for things to pass. And we embrace stuff like this. Sounds very wise. Sounds very scriptural. But it's actually not in the Bible. Now the last one is where we're going to kind of focus at today. And it's found in the book of Oprah chapter 1 verse 1. And it is the verse, yea, verily, verily, God wants you to be happy. And it is the mindset of that we as Christians are called by God to live in perpetual happiness. And that actually is not in the Bible. And so today what we're going to do is we're going to talk about the idea, the mindset here in the West, uh, that God wants us to be happy, God wants us to be prosperous, there's nothing but good things in store for us, unicorns and rainbows and skittles and all that kind of stuff, kittens for everybody, uh, because the idea of perpetual happiness makes us feel really good. It sounds great on the surface, but it's dangerous, and here's why. It causes us to believe that God is here to serve us instead of us being here to serve him. 
Now, everybody in here has probably read a fairy tale or two, maybe to your kids, and everybody knows how they end. They all live, what, happily ever after. But here's the truth. Sometimes stories don't have a happy ending, am I right? Sometimes things don't turn out quite the way that we thought, and it is a positive message that God wants you to be happy, that it feels really good. But let's look at what Scripture tells us. And uh, today as we, we delve off into this, I'm going to go ahead and be up front with you guys, be honest with you today. I wore my cowboy boots today. Stacy asked me, we were you know, getting our outfits and stuff ready for church. So she said, what do you want to wear? I said, I'm going to wear my cowboy boots because when I wear these, I, I feel a little taller, you know. But these boots sometimes pack a punch because they're kind of heavy. But uh, I'm just going to go ahead and be upfront and honest with you today that this is going to be a message that for all of us, I don't care if we're a pastor or a welder or a school teacher or plant worker, this is a message for all of us. And this is a message that's going to step on all of our toes somewhat as well because this is a message that challenges us. And so let's look at Scripture and let's see what it tells us in regards to the mindset that God wants us to live our lives in perpetual happiness. We find 2 Timothy chapter 4. That's where we're going to be at. We're going to look at verses 3 through 5. And I would encourage as we read through this, it's always good to look at the screens. We do that for your convenience. But I want to encourage you to bring your Bibles to church with you. Uh, the reason why is because it's great to have a paper copy that you can take notes you can underline things, you can write stuff in the margin, or if you have your electronic version through your, your iPhone or your Galaxy or whatever it is Samsung makes, you actually, uh, on the YouVersion Bible app, you may not realize this, but our bulletin is in there as well. Uh, there is information if you watched during the announcements how you can download that. But one of the things I love about the YouVersion Bible app is you can uh, highlight verses, you can take notes and all those things as well. But let's bring our Bibles to church so that we can go back later and look at the things that we have studied on a Sunday morning together. So what does the Bible say in regards to living a life of perpetual happiness? Paul writes to his friend Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 4 and he says this, For a time is coming when people will no longer listen to sound and wholesome teaching. They will follow their own desires and will look for teachers who will tell them whatever their itching ears want to hear. What does all that mean in a nutshell? Basically, it means that there will be a day and age that will come, uh, and I believe personally we're in that right now, where people don't want to hear the standard of truth that comes from God's Word. They want to take the Word of God and change it to apply to their lifestyle instead of their lifestyle changing to be in accord with God's Word. And so uh, I personally believe that we're in that time right now. And the reason why is because uh, there's a lot of things that we see in God's Word. We say, well, that's no longer necessary for today or that's no longer needed for today. And Paul is telling his friend, hey, get ready for the time will come when people won't want to live their lives by truth. They'll just make stuff up. He says they will reject the truth and they will chase after myths. But you should keep your mind clear, uh, keep a clear mind in every situation. Don't be afraid of suffering for the Lord. Now that honestly doesn't sound like a verse that's saying that God wants you to live your life in perpetual happiness. He's saying, hey, don't be afraid of suffering for the Lord. Work at telling others the good news and fully carry out the ministry that God has given you. You might say, well, he was writing this to Timothy. What does that have to apply to my life? Well, it applies in this way is that as the body of Christ, as Christians, as brothers and sisters in the Lord, we have a mission from the Lord to build the kingdom of God, 
to make disciples, to share the good news of the gospel with people all around us, wherever we are, to reflect God's, his character, his nature, his love to people, wherever we find ourselves at. And I, I get it. This idea of perpetual happiness, it sounds good on the surface, and it sounds great that when we come to Jesus, everything in our lives is going to be perfect. But guess what? In reality, that is not true. How many of you in here, since you have come to Christ, since you started serving Jesus as the Lord and Savior of your life, you've had troubles in life? Raise your hand way up high. We all have. I don't care who you are. I don't care where you are in life. Every single one of us have difficulties. In fact, Jesus put it plainly. He said, in this world, you will have troubles. There are going to be things that come along that are difficult in this world. And here's the thing. We need to come to the mindset that God does not revolve around us. The reason why is because when we begin to think like that, we have the tendency of treating God like he is a vending machine, okay? And that he's going to, to give us all good things or whatever we want as we walk throughout life. Now, uh, I, I don't know if you've ever eaten anything out of a vending machine, but I had the tendency, I, I like vending machines. In fact, my favorite thing to get out of a vending machine is a honey bun, okay? Does anybody in here else like a honey bun? Especially the ones with white icing all, you know, covered it up completely. Those are amazing, okay? And I'm going to tell you what, if I walk by a vending machine and it has a honey bun in it, it's going in my belly, okay? And so years ago, whenever Stacy was uh, having babies and we were actually in the hospital, I cannot remember which one we were there for because she was having babies all the time, but uh, we were in our, our Lady of Lords in Lafayette and I was eating out of the vending machine and, and she had had the baby and I remember going over there and I had some change in my pocket and uh, I got, they had a honey bun there. And so I'm going to get the honey bun and I put my quarters in the machine and I pushed in, I forget what the number was, like B15 or whatever. And guess what fell out? Not a honey bun, okay? Like some hot fries or something like that. Now, if you've never had a honey bun, I'm going to just tell you what, there's a vast difference between hot fries and a honey bun. And so I'm aggravated about this, and I, I'm out of change, and I pull my wallet out, and I had one dollar. And I remember taking that dollar, feeding it into the machine, and I've got to be really careful now, because this is my last dollar. And I pushed in the, the digits real quick, you know, like B15 or whatever it was, and guess what came out that time? More hot fries, Okay. Apparently, the whatever was all messed up with the machine. And so now I'm out of money. I don't have a honey bun, and I got two bags of hot fries. And I walk up in the you know, hospital room, and Stacy's like, what's wrong with you? And I'm like, well, I went to get a honey bun, and you know, got these hot fries, and, and it's not good. And she's like, you do realize I just had a baby. You know? I'm like, whatever. Well, that's nothing compared to not getting a honey bun, you know. But it... You know what, though? We have the tendency of doing the same exact thing with God. We, we put our, our coins in our, our prayers, and we say, God, this is what I want. And when things don't quite turn out that way, we have the tendency to get angry or upset with God because we bought into this mindset of God is there to serve us. Life is all about living in perpetual happiness. We don't really find that in the Bible. In fact, as we go through Scripture, I want to share with you today 
some different instances that I believe that God doesn't want us to be happy. And this is one of those messages that, that all of us need to, to search our heart and, and see where we are and see the things that God wants to change. Because you might say, well, Pastor, you're honestly telling me that there's times that God doesn't want me to be happy? Absolutely. And the first one is this. God doesn't want us to be happy when it causes us to sin. You see, Scripture says this. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 15. It says, but just as he... Who called you is holy, so be holy in all that you do. What is that telling us? Well, in God's eyes, our happiness is not the bottom line. Holiness is the bottom line. Becoming more like him in our actions, our attitude, our mindset, how we interact with people. Becoming more like reflecting Jesus is what is really important. And God never wants us to sacrifice his standards for our happiness. And so the reality is that God delights in the happiness of his kids, his children, but not if it means that we are living a life of sin, pursuing the things of this world and going after things that go contrary to what he tells us in his word. This is the standard of truth that we apply to his, our lives. And guess what? This will never change. The society, the culture that we live in says, you know what, we need to change this to fit what we want. But the truth is, God's word will never change. We need to take it and apply it to our lives and live by it. And the truth is that God doesn't want us happy if it causes us to live our lives in sin, to pursue the things of this world. And you might say, well, how does this play out in the church world, Pastor? I get it, you know, with, with ones who don't claim Christianity. But how does this play out in the church world? The sad part is that the world that we live in, the church included, a lot of times it's kind of an all about me type of world. I want what makes me happy. I want what is best for me. Oh, I know that God's word says this, but does that really have to apply? I mean, it's just a little thing. It's just a little sin within my life. I'm going to tell you something. It's time for us as the body of Christ to quit justifying sin to quit making excuses for sin, to quit pretending like certain sins are okay because they're not big sins. We need to open up our hearts to the place of repentance and allow God to begin to change us to be more and more like him each and every day. Amen? That's a good place for an amen right there. You see, because I, I don't care what your mindset is if it goes contrary to his word. You might say, well, it's just a little lie. It's not a big deal. I misled this person, but it's not that big of a deal. But the reality is the Bible addresses dishonesty and a lack of integrity as lying and it's sin. You might say, oh, we love each other. What's the big deal that, that we, we, we've jumped into premarital sex? What's the, what's the big deal about that? Well, the Bible says that any sex outside of marriage is a sin. And so we need to get outside of the all about me world, take God's word, apply it to our lives and recognize and realize that God wants us to live a life of holiness, pursuing him and becoming more like him each and every day. Now I get it because a lot of people say, yeah, but pastor Jay, there's grace. And I'm going to tell you something. I'm so grateful for the grace of God. Aren't you? Because we've all messed up. Who in here has messed up at least one time since you've been walking with the Lord? Some of us messed up today, you know? You lost your temper on the way into church and, you know, whatever. Thank goodness for his grace. 
But I'm going to tell you something. Grace is never an excuse to fall off into sin. Well, I'm going to go ahead and do this because I know God would forgive me anyway. Because Paul actually addresses this. In Romans chapter 6, verse 1, he says, Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? Look what he says. By no means. In other words, are you crazy? Absolutely not. He says, we are those who have died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? In other words, you need to realize this. When you come to Christ, you are no longer the same person. The old you has died. The new you has come alive in Christ Jesus. And so the old you may have used to talk that way and do those things and and get caught up in that, but that old you has died, and the new you is alive in Christ Jesus. And you want to become more and more like Jesus each and every day. So are there times that God doesn't want us to be happy? Absolutely. If it causes us to live in sin, to, to get caught up in sin, no way does he want us happy in that. But he wants us to have a lifestyle of repentance Not one who would just apologize and continue in that behavior, but one who would repent and turn away from that behavior and turn to what God truly has for your life. Here's the next one. Is that God doesn't want you to be happy when it's driven by your circumstances. Think of it like this. I love to talk about this because uh, I love to talk about joy, and I've actually done a couple different series on joy. But think about the word happy. Where does the word happy come from? It's derived from happenings. If your happenings are good, then you are happy. If your happenings are not so good, you're not so happy. That's where we get that word from. And guess what? There are times in life you are not going to be happy. There's going to be times when circumstances are not that great. And basically what we need to understand is God wants us to have the heart that we're not going to be led by our emotions. We're not going to be led by our circumstances. Because there are going to be circumstances are happening sometimes that are not that great. I had an instance of this the other day. Uh, we Last weekend for Labor Day weekend, all the kids left. They all went up to go see Brittany's family. I'm talking everybody. Tyler, Brittany, Livy, Bryce, everybody took off. And uh, Stacy and I, when we realized they left out Thursday evening, Friday morning, that, that we were going to be all by ourselves for the weekend, that the kids were all gone, even Livy, we were happy, okay? <laughs> uh, you just can't, I can't make that up. We were happy as could be, all right? And so, the, the kids, when they got home Friday night, they were like, well, Dad, did you miss us? I'm like, nope, not really. We had a great week here. But I said, if you'd have given me another couple of days, yeah, I probably would have started missing y'all, especially Libby. Uh, and so here's what happened. Labor Day, we get up, and Stacy says, you know, I've got some errands that I, that I need to go run. I said, well, you know, I love you. I'm going to go with you. We're going to have a good time. Lo and behold, that I know, because she she's a list girl. She had her list. And the very first stop on her list was a store that probably most of the ladies in here are familiar with. It's called Bath and Body Works. Okay? You ladies know what I'm talking about? How many of you guys in here have ever been to Bath and Body Works? Raise your hand. Okay. Well, here's the deal. Bath and Body Works for me is not my favorite place to be. All right? And it kind of, she got me, you know, a a little excited because she was like, you know, we're going to go, we're going to get some candles, get some soap, and we're going to pick you out a new cologne. And I'm like, woohoo, you know. So we go there, and the first couple of minutes, probably first five minutes, everything was great. And then she said, now we got to pick out candles. They had like six billion candles in the store. And she wanted to sniff every single 
one of them. Any other ladies? You know, yeah, you, you do as well. I can see you're like, what's, what's the problem with that? You know? <laughs> so the first candle, she's like, what do you think of this one? I'm like, uh, smells like pumpkin. She's like, well, it's because it's pumpkin spice. The second candle, what do you think of this one? I said, it smells like chocolate. She said, it's hot cocoa. The third candle, apple pie. The fourth candle, I'm like, I don't know. Now they all smell exactly the same. And an hour later, we were there about an hour, weren't we? I'm like, when are we going to get out of here? You can only sniff so many candles. We leave out of there, second mortgage fully in effect. Bags and bags of soaps. And we got three candles, and guess what? Sniffed every candle in the store, but we got the first three candles that we sniffed. I'm like, could we just sniff those and moved on? But I wasn't happy. I was happy for the first five, maybe ten minutes, but after that, not happy. I didn't like being there. But guess what? I was not determined to let that affect my mood for the rest of the day. Here's the thing, so many times the circumstances that we find ourselves in, it determines our mood, it determines the mood of our marriage, the mood of our family, everything. And God doesn't want us happy if it's driven by our circumstances. In fact, you go into scripture and this is what Ecclesiastes chapter 7 tells us, verse 14. It says, when times are good, be what? Happy. But when times are bad, consider this. God has made the one as well as the other. Doesn't matter if the circumstances are good. Doesn't matter if they're bad. Doesn't matter if they're mediocre. God's right there in the middle of them, right there with you. You need to understand that. God doesn't want you happy if it's based on your happenings. Because he has something so much better for our lives and our circumstances. He has something that he wants to deposit within our life called joy. And I, like I said earlier, I love talking about joy. The reason why is because joy is not something that can be taken away from you. No matter what your circumstances, no matter how bad things look, the presence of God is so real within your life as a child of God if you will let it be there. And his joy will bring peace to you. His joy will bring strength to you. In fact, uh, if you were here last week, we were talking about how to overcome discontent within our lives. And I shared with you that the Apostle Paul had found the secret of being content. And I want to share that verse with you again today because it's such a great verse. Philippians chapter 4, he said this, I know what it is to be in need, bad circumstances, and I know what it is to have plenty, good circumstances. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in one, I can do all this through him who gives me strength. In other words, because the presence of the Holy Spirit is so real within my life, he brings joy to me. No matter what the circumstances look like, I still have God's joy at work within me. And so here's what I would tell you. The first thing is this. We need to address any sin within our lives. We need to deal with it. We need to quit making excuses. We need to quit justifying it. We need to repent of it, give it over to the Lord, and we need to uh, every day become more and more like Jesus. Every day draw closer to him in our relationship. The next thing is, is that we need to not be led by our emotions. 
but we, or our circumstances. And we need to let God's joy and his presence be so real within our life. And here's where we're going to wrap this up today is that we talk about instances that God doesn't want us to be happy. God doesn't want us to be happy as much as he wants us to be blessed. Everybody say blessed. Now, who in here wants to be blessed? Raise your hand. Everybody does. We all like to be blessed. But here's what I want to share with you. The word blessed in the Greek, I love this, is, is makareus. Here's what the word means. It starts off, when you look at the definition of the word blessed, makareus, the very first word out there is happy. Everybody say happy. The very next definition is supremely blessed. That sounds better than just happiness, right? That sounds awesome. God, you have something for me that, that I could never imagine. You want me to walk through life supremely blessed. What that means is that's more than just happy. So for all of us, we got to think of it in this way. Why would I want to pursue something less than what God really has for me? He wants me to walk through life supremely blessed. And then the next question is this. So who is blessed? Well, you have to look to Scripture. Psalms 112, verse 1, it says this. Blessed are those who fear the Lord, who find great delight in his commands. Now, if you read that, you say, well, hold up. What does that mean? Does that mean like being afraid of God? Well, not exactly. Here's what you need to understand. When it's talking about fearing the Lord, it is talking about a reverential awe of God, a healthy respect and honor of him. To understand that when you were talking about God, you're not talking about the big guy upstairs. You were talking about the supreme creator of everything. Listen to this. You're talking about the righteous judge that all of us will stand in front of one day and give an account of our lives. If that doesn't give you a healthy fear, respect, awe of him, then I don't know if anything will. We want to be blessed. We need to have the fear of God within our lives. But the second part of that verse, blessed are those who fear the Lord. Check this out. Who find great delight in his commands. You know what that means? Those who do what the Lord tells us to do. In other words, those who take this and put it into practice within our lives. Pursuing him, pursuing his ways, and loving him more and more each and every day. So that's who can be blessed. So look at your neighbor and say, that means all of us. But it has to be our choice. Here's the next thing that, that goes along with it. What does it mean to be blessed? Does that mean that, that I'm going to have more money? Does that mean that I'm going to walk out in the parking lot? There's going to be a brand new Lexus out there for me because I'm blessed. There is. Talk to me. We need to talk, okay? Does that mean you're going to wake up in the morning and your bank account's going to be full of cash? No, probably not. In fact, there, I read a story just the other day about a couple that uh, I, this was, I, I don't remember even where this was, but there was a bank. There was an issue there, and they recently had charges filed against them because they got up one morning, and guess what? Their bank account was full of cash. I think it was about an extra $100,000 in their checking account. And guess what? They spent it. They bought travel trailers and four-wheelers. They gave somebody who, a friend of theirs who was in need, they gave them like $12,000. And then the bank discovered their error. 
And now I believe that with all the charges, the, the bank draft charges, all, all that, it was like they owed like $120,000 back to the bank. Bank said, we want our money back. They're like, oh, we spent it because we're blessed. No, you're stupid, okay? <laughs> and I, they just filed charges against them. Now, here's the deal. If you wake up tomorrow and there's $100,000 in your bank account, you need to call your bank, okay? But what does it mean to be blessed? Does it mean that we're going to have a bank account full of cash and new cars? Well, let's look at what Jesus said. Because you have to go into Scripture to see what blessed really means. Matthew chapter 5. Let's go to the most famous sermon Jesus ever preached, the Sermon on the Mount. And he said this, verse 3. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Look at verse 11. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Everybody say blessed. I love that passage of scripture where Jesus was teaching because he takes the word blessed. He kind of turns it upside down as to what our Western culture has taught us. And actually, you look at that last part where he talks about people insulting you and persecuting, for, for persecuting you for his name's sake. That actually takes the entire mindset of God wanting us to be perpetually happy. And it kind of unravels that entire mindset. See, the truth of the matter is, is that it's, kind of, it's the bad news is that God doesn't want us to be, simply be happy. Good news for all of us is he wants more for us. He wants us to be blessed, supremely blessed. Walking through life with him leading us and directing us. Now, there are some benefits that we think of when it comes to, to being blessed. There's some neat things there. Maybe the Lord blesses you with a new job. Maybe the Lord does bless you with more resources, more finances. Maybe you are blessed because you got a, a new vehicle. Maybe uh, you're blessed because you have health within your body. But then there are blessings that come in other ways. Maybe you're blessed because you lose your job. You think about that, you're like, whoa, you're crazy, Pastor Jay. How many of you in here have ever lost a job before? Anybody? I have. Typically, whenever you lose that job, you're, you're kind of, maybe the first thing, a little fearful, what does the future look like? Maybe panic begins to set in. And here's the thing, here's how that can be a blessing to you. Is that in that moment, when you lose that job, you, you've got a decision to make. Either you're going to fall into fear, or you're going to choose to trust your God. And in that moment, you say, you know what, God? You've never left me. You've never forsaken me. You've always taken care of me and my family. So God, no matter what the future looks like, I trust you. And in that moment, you grow in your faith. What a blessing that is. You see, we don't think of being blessed in that way. But blessing really is growing in your relationship with the Lord, becoming more like Jesus each and every day. Being blessed really is becoming more intimate in that walk with God and hearing his voice in a greater way each and every day. So in reality, we are blessed. 
Now, here's what I want you to do. I want you, we're going to do something a little bit different today. We're going to make this very personal. I want you to close your eyes. Because you remember the first thing we talked about is that God doesn't want you happy if it causes you to sin. Well, there's only a question that you can answer for your life, and it's this. Is there sin in your life? Every eye closed, I still see some eyes open. Is there sin in your life that you need to repent of? Not apologize for it, because a lot of times we think, well, I'm sorry for my sin. We apologize, we continue in that sin, it does no good. Repent means to turn away from that sin. To let that sin cease within your life and you give it over to God. What is the sin in your life that you need to repent of? Is it anger? Is it unforgiveness? Is it lust? Is it dishonesty? I don't know. It looks different for everybody. But maybe where you are, you, you can pray something like this. Lord, I love you and thank you so much that your heart is for me to grow in my walk with you. And Father, you know what the sin is and you can just right there where you are under your breath, you can say it to the Lord. I ask you to forgive me for whatever it is. I repent of that. And God, I give it over to you and I ask that you would put it under the blood of Jesus and help me overcome this within my life. Now remember, the next thing that we talked about is God doesn't want you happy if it's driven by your circumstances. Are you being led by your emotions? Are you being led by a mood or an attitude? Here's what that looks like. Is your anger leading you? Do you get emotional in a moment and make a bad decision that affects you and maybe your family? Well, today you can repent of that and ask the Lord to fill your life with his presence and give you his joy. Maybe pray something like this. Father, thank you that you care for me so much, you love me, that you want to lead my life and direct my life through the Holy Spirit. So today, Lord, I ask you to forgive me for my emotions taking control. And Holy Spirit, I ask you today to fill my life with your presence. And today, I ask you to lead me and direct me. Let me hear your voice. Let me feel you leading me. And let your joy be very real within my life now the last one is this God doesn't want us blessed as much uh, doesn't want us happy as much as he wants us blessed here's the question for you is there a fear of the Lord within your heart not being afraid of him remember that but that awe that respect that that healthy fear of God within your life Maybe today that's something that you can pray that God will begin to stir within your heart. You won't take God for granted. But today you would draw closer to him as your heavenly father. And today maybe pray something like this. Father, I thank you so much for letting me walk in relationship with you. And Father, I don't want everyone to look at you as the big guy upstairs, but you are my creator. You're my Lord. You're my master. You are my heavenly Father. And I pray today that that healthy fear 
that all of you would be within my heart and my life. And there's some of you in this room right now that you do not have a relationship with God. You, you're trying to find different ways to heaven. Well, I'll be good, or I'll, I'll be religious, or I'll, I'll work my way to heaven, and all that simply isn't true. You can't get to heaven that way. Jesus put it very plainly. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. In other words, Jesus is the only way to heaven. It's found in recognizing that there's a sin debt that all of us have. We have a sin nature. And the only way that the sin debt could be taken care of within our life, the only way our sins could be forgiven, was through Jesus going to the cross. That's the reason he went to the cross and he bled and he died. And three days later, after they placed him in a grave, he walked out of that grave fully alive so that we can be forgiven, so that we can have relationship with God as we surrender our lives, everything that we are to him. And so today, maybe you've never taken that step and you recognize your need today of Jesus. I'd love to pray with you to help you take that step of surrender to him. Before we do, there might be others of you in this room that today you recognize that you had a relationship with Jesus at one point, but your heart has grown distant from God. And today you know that you need to renew your commitment to Christ. You need to get your heart right with him all over again. And I'd love to pray with you as well. So with every eye closed, if you would say, Pastor Jay, I'm ready to take that step for the first time or to renew my commitment to Christ. And I want to be a part of that prayer that you're about to pray. And I love to know who I'm praying for. So wherever you are in this room right now, every eye closed, every head bowed, I'm not going to embarrass you, but I just want to know who I'm praying for. So right where you are, if you would, just slip your hand in the air and let me see. Is there anybody like that? I see you right here, right here. I see you back here. God's good. Right over here. And here's what I want you to do. We're in that very personal mode right now. Right where you are, you talk to the Lord. This is your prayer. And you open up your heart even further to that place of, here it is, surrender. And pray something like this. Jesus, thank you for the way that you love me. You would go to the cross for me and pay the price for my sins. Today, by faith, I receive what you did. And Jesus, I admit to you that I'm a sinner. I've messed up. And today I repent and I ask for your forgiveness. That through your precious blood today, you would make me brand new. I surrender my life to you. And Jesus, I ask you to come live in my heart. Be my Savior. Jesus, today I embrace you as the Lord and Master of my life. In Jesus' name I pray. What's everybody say together? Amen. Can we give the Lord a good hand clap today? And God is good. See, it's good when you take something like this message and you make it personal. You go through and you look at the different aspects of it and you apply it to your life. And here's what I want to ask you to do. There's some of you in this room, you raised your hand to give your heart to Christ today for the first time or maybe made a recommitment of your faith. I want you to do me a favor. Take out a connect card from the seat back pocket of the chair in front of you. And fill it out. Check off the little box that says, today I gave my heart to Jesus. And you can do one of two things with that card. You can either drop it at the Welcome Center or 
uh, here in a few moments. Our prayer team is going to be right here in the front in our altar area. What I'd rather you do with that card is you can bring it to one of them. And they're here to pray with you, to encourage you, to talk to you about your next steps in your walk with Jesus. And listen to me closely, church family, if you need prayer for anything at all, uh, don't walk out here with the same things weighing heavy within your heart and in your life. Come let somebody pray with you and minister to you. So uh, as we all stand, I'm going to ask the prayer team, go ahead and make your way here to the front. Let's all go ahead and stand. And as we leave out of here today, let's remember this. Next week we're going into to week two of our series, God Never Said That. Don't forget the interest meeting this evening at the Watson campus. And don't ever forget that we don't just go to church. Love you guys. Be blessed. We will see you back here next week.